reality is there really isn't anything all that sexy about this draft. I'm not that fired up about it as we talked about. Draft, 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 draft. It's coming up in just six days Yay. in Las Vegas. Stop it, Miles. Just at least pretend <laughs> to care. Countdown, oh, countdown, countdown, get, countdown. Get rid of that. I really <laughs> didn't want that. Keep it over really here. He is. Keep it on my side. I like it right there. Draft, 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 draft. But the draft in all sports is an archaic somewhat primitive way of dictating the way people's professional lives are going to go. 35 hours and 48 minutes until the draft. Draft, 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 draft. Florio and the draft, they love each other. It's draft day. We're happy about the draft now. That was fun and games this morning, but draft, now we're locked draft, in. Draft. We're serious. We're all in with the draft. Let's get the thing started because you know what, Shereen? The sooner it starts, the sooner it ends. But dra- the first night of the draft is always a very special experience. I remember being in Radio City Music Hall. There's an electricity in the air, and I'm sure it's going to be that way in Las Vegas tonight, although apparently there's some issue with winds, and that could be a problem. But, but it's exciting, and it's, yeah. it's still a moment of hope. You never know where the Hall of Famers are going to come from. You never know where the busts are going to go, although there won't be much discussion of that tonight. But it is a fun night. It gets a little less interesting as the draft proceeds into Friday and especially Saturday when it literally gets to a point mid-afternoon where you ask yourself, when is this damn thing going to end? But the first night of the draft (laughs) is very exciting. It is very exciting, especially in a year where we really don't know who's going where or when, what trades are going to happen, what surprises we may have. This one feels as wide open as any I can remember. Yeah, the 1995 was the first one I covered as a full-time beat writer on the NFL, Mike. And, and that was the year that the Eagles traded up with the Buccaneers to get Mike Mamola. And from then on, there's always been something that happens that you don't anticipate. And I don't know what that's going to be tonight, but there's going to be something that happens that we don't anticipate. It's going to be really fun, and it's going to turn this draft upside down. Once again, it always happens every single year. Uh, Yes, it does. And who only knows what it will be at this point. And the stuff that we're keeping an eye on is the stuff that probably won't happen. It's going to be something we're not thinking of because, again, it's all cloak and dagger. This is a point that we've talked about in recent days. All these pre-draft press conferences, they are mandatory. It's mandatory and it's required. And I know, Shereen, I don't want to get the PFWA after me because I don't think they're necessary and I don't think they should be required. And if I'm a coach or a GM, why do I want to talk about my draft plans? But when you do, are you saying something that is deliberately intended to sow disinformation? Or are you just accidentally letting the truth fly out of your mouth? And I don't know what to glean from these. And I think there would be a useful exercise if anyone thinks to do it. In looking at what teams actually do and looking at what they said, not just in the pre-draft press conference, but any time the draft questions came up in the weeks preceding the selection process, to see who does hold it close to the vest, who specifically says things they don't believe, and who may accidentally, inadvertently, have something pop out of their mouth that ends up shedding light on what they intended to ultimately do. Well, you know, I covered the Cowboys for so long, and you could always count on Jerry Jones to pretty much tell you the truth. You knew which direction they were leaning in always after that pre-draft press conference just because he can't keep it in. He, he usually reveals something about their draft. And those top 30 visits for the Cowboys, always, 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 almost always, it was a player they brought in for a top 30 pick was their first-round pick. I remember when they moved up to get Morris Claiborne, that's why it was such uh, unusual for the Cowboys a move because he wasn't on their top 30 list. And as it turns out, they should have stopped. They should have stuck to that top 30 list that year too, Mike. And uh, I, I think back to 2006 when the Broncos traded up and drafted Jay Cutler. I remember when they traded up, people were like, what, what are they doing? What are they doing? They draft yeah. Jay Cutler. They had done nothing to express any interest of any kind in Jay Cutler. They didn't even talk to Jay Cutler anywhere. And I think it's odd that you would decide without even talking to a guy that you want him. 
But that's the way to throw Dota on the trail and to keep others away. You fall in love with the guy based on his film in college and other information you pick up. But you, you're so intent on getting him that you're willing to not even sit down and talk to him, maybe have a cigarette with Jay Cutler and get to know him better if they had. Maybe they wouldn't have, maybe, maybe they wouldn't have traded up to draft Jay Cutler. See, there, there's a risk in doing that. All right. Um, you can follow us all night long on Twitter at Pro Football Talk. We will be posting on all of the picks as they are made. We will be doing videos throughout the course of the evening that hopefully will be cut and edited and posted as quickly as humanly possible. Fingers and toes crossed. And uh, we'll be reacting and just following everything. It's all hands on deck tonight. It's going to be a fun night. We're going to lock in from really after this show ends right through until the end of round one. And then maybe we'll have some reactions after round one. This is one of those nights where the adrenaline when the the round is over kind of carries me for a couple more hours it's like a really good game ending you know how like when a good game's over and you know you should go to bed you got to get up the next morning you just don't want to you've got that you've got that that vibe you've got that that uh what's the word adrenaline in your veins that's how i always feel at the end of round one yeah absolutely mike and i'm figuring i'll be up probably till one-ish or so because just because of that i mean it's it's exciting and you're trying to dissect what teams have done and what they might do in round two so yeah that you do get juiced when this thing is over during the round and after the round and it seems like it takes forever on the one hand on the other hand it seems like it goes very very quickly because the picks start to flow, and, and you just get in a rhythm, and the team's getting the rhythm. But it's, it's going to be a fun night. I just can't wait to see what's going to happen and, and the moves that are going to be made in this draft. And, it, yes, it's not a sexy draft. I know I've said that, and I still will say that. It's not a sexy draft, but it's still going to be fun to see where these quarterbacks end up, who comes out of the night without a quarterback, who's going to have to make a move for a quarterback after tonight. We're going to learn all those things by midnight, 1 o'clock, in the morning, we're going to know all these teams that still have moves to, left to make. The uncertainty begins at the top, but it's gotten more clear in recent days that the Jaguars are expected to take Georgia defensive end Trayvon Walker. I have heard that the Jaguars would like to trade down a few spots. They admitted last week they had their process down to four guys, so you could go down to four and still get one of those guys if you could pick up some extra lottery tickets to go get other guys you like later the problem is nobody wants to move up there isn't that guy that someone is going to make the big commitment to move up to get because it's never about being able to say hey we drafted number one instead of number four it's about going to get a player you are trading for a player at that point and there isn't anyone out there that's willing to give up so much that there's that one guy they have to get they're content to sit where they are with their extra resources and take whoever's there at three or four or wherever the Jaguars would slide down to. But, but again, anything can happen once we get on the clock and you take the full 10 minutes. And my guess is that Trent Baalke and company will wait most of that 10 minutes for the phone to ring to see if there is a last-minute opportunity for somebody to spring up and get a guy that they've secretly decided they must have. That's the thing. There are still secrets in the NFL, and this is the ultimate offseason secret landscape where there is benefit in not letting anyone know what you really think. And tonight is when we find out what people really think, and we'll find out if somebody really thinks it's worthwhile to move up to number one. I'd be stunned if it happens. I think it's going to be Trayvon Walker one, Shireen, and Aiden Hutchinson two. Not nearly as strongly as we knew last year it was going to be Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, but I'd be surprised at this point if it's anything other than Walker, then Hutchinson, Jaguars, and Lions, respectively. Yeah, you know, I think the Lions are going to run that card up there quickly if Hutchinson doesn't go number one overall, Mike. But, you know, Trent Baalke said that they have four players that they really like, so conceivably you could move down to four. But I don't see the Lions moving up. I don't see the Texans moving up. I don't see the Jets moving up. And do you want to move back any farther than that, Mike? Because then you lose, you risk losing the four players you, you have on your list. And... The problem with it is there's not that quarterback that everybody wants to move up to get, like the Joe Burrow year when the Dolphins tried to move up to number one overall. But I was very interested in this, how many times that number one overall pick has been traded. It's happened six times, and I figured they were all for quarterbacks. And I should have remembered because the Cowboys did it one time and not for a quarterback, but three times it was a non-quarterback. What was the last time it happened, Mike? Do you remember? 
The Cowboys trade up for a non-quarterback. For the number one overall pick is Russell Maryland. Russell Maryland. Right, Russell Maryland. But what was the last time that a team traded up for a number one overall pick? Oh, uh, Jared Goff. They shouldn't have. Jared Goff. Right. The Rams. Yeah. No, they should. Yeah. And a lot of them, they shouldn't have. The, the Falcons in 2001 to get Michael Vick. Uh, the Rams in 97 to get Orlando Pace. The Bengals, of all things, in 95 moved up to get Kajana Carter. That was a really bad move. And the Colts in 1990 from 5-1 to one to get Chris Chandler. Jeff. Chris Chandler in 1990. When was Jeff George? Was he 89? Yeah. He was, when was 89. Jeff George drafted? Right. Okay. Yeah, um, I think that was 89 was right. Yeah, I remember the Mike Vick move because we just assumed he was going to the Chargers, and that was that. That was it, no doubt, no question. And it was, I think, a day or two before the draft that that happened, uh, that, that they made the move up, the Falcons did. And the Chargers came out of it pretty well. They came out of it with Ladanian Tomlinson and Drew Brees, although it took Drew Brees yeah. uh, a year or two to become the starter, and then they decided to move on from him when they got Phillip Rivers a few years later. There's an alternate universe out there there's all sorts of alternate universes out there where nfl teams made decisions about just drew Brees. there's like five or six compelling alternate universes about drew yeah. Brees, where the chargers keep him or the chargers take mike vick and breeze goes somewhere else as a rookie or the the dolphins end up with him but uh, anyway it all started 21 years ago in round two drew Brees out of purdue to the then san diego Chargers, the Texans reportedly exploring a trade up from number 13 into the top 10. The thinking is they would like to stop the slide of Derek Stingley, the LSU cornerback. Chris made a good point about Nick Casario and the Patriot way and the idea that are they really compelled to go get a guy that you know, hasn't had a great season for a couple of years and you're banking on some potential that may or may not be there, or you're looking for something a little more safe with a pick that high, especially if you're going to springboard back into the top 10 after using the third overall pick on presumably a tackle. I would be surprised, but but who knows? And the Texans are one that I'm watching very carefully on this quarterback thing, Shereen, because the Lovey Smith comments from their pre-draft press conference, and they actually made both guys available before the draft. You only have to make one. They made both available. But the way Lovey Smith was talking about quarterbacks made me think, you know, I, just, I can't help but wonder whether they're playing it close to the vest and they have some sort of a plan to get a quarterback. And uh, who knows? I would think receiver, corner would be the two primary reasons why they're trying to get back into the top ten, and we'll see if they can pull it off. But they're one of the few, along with the Eagles, that we're hearing about are trying to get into the top ten. If anything, teams are trying – to consider what alternatives they have to get out of the top 10. Yeah, and, and Nick Casario had an interview where he said, you know, 99% chance that they hold on to that third pick and use it. And Daryl Stingley obviously is the, the choice there, probably. But they've talked to six or eight teams about moving up and moving down. And Casario said uh, that there's probably a 50 to 60% chance that they hold on to that 13th pick. So, there's a good chance they probably move out of that spot. The question is, do they move up? Do they move down? Is there a player they really want there? It'll be interesting to see. They have 11 picks overall, seven of the top 108. This is still a rebuilding team, Mike, and you're right. Quarterback is a position to watch for this team because if they get a quarterback, then they have a couple of choices there. If Davis Mills is in the guy, they have another guy to see if he's the guy. And you just don't always know at the quarterback position if you have that guy or not until a few years. He showed some signs, Davis Mills did last year, but are they certain that he is the guy? He is the franchise guy, or did they try to roll the dice and get another guy, and then you have two guys, and maybe one, maybe you hit on one, or do they wait till next year? Because, frankly, Mike, this is going to be a bad team again this year. They're not going to win a whole lot of games. They're going to be drafting again in the top ten. So maybe you just play it out, see what Davis Mills has, and come back next year when it looks like a better quarterback draft. This is a long, slow build for the Texans, and the best thing that the front office has going for it is Jack Easterby has owner Cal McNair under some sort of a spell, so there isn't the same urgency, <laughs> frankly, that there would be. They really can't have a five-year plan in Houston. they got a 10-year plan in Houston. I don't sense that Cal McNair has any urgency to make changes at the top. Now, Coach, there may be a new one every two or three years, but between Casario and Easterby, I think they are set and they have time to try to craft whatever it is that they're trying to craft and hope that they can build it into something that is consistently competitive. And again, it all turns on what they think of these quarterbacks. And 
we don't know what the teams who want a quarterback and who are scouting the quarterbacks aggressively really believe. And I think back to 2017, we had no idea how much the Chiefs like Patrick Mahomes, how much the Saints like Patrick Mahomes. When you find that guy who's entering the NFL and there's something that speaks to you about what he can do, you keep your mouth shut. Now with Mahomes, you know, it was kind of a mixed bag going into the draft. It wasn't like he stood out. I think in part because the Chiefs and the Saints kept their mouths shut. But, but there, there was reason to see what he became. I don't know that there's any trait that jumps off the page of these guys coming in this year. But we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. The Giants, speaking of quarterbacks, they made it known today that they will not pick up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones, who was a first-round pick in 2019. I thought it was curious that they let it leak today because the deadline's Tuesday. You can wait until after the draft. I feel like in some sort of clumsy way, they're trying to make people think that they're looking at a quarterback at number five or number seven in round one, or possibly if they would trade down, they'd be thinking about a quarterback later in the round. I feel like this, this leak of their intent is Jedi mind trick territory, reverse psychology, where they want people to think that they're really looking at quarterback. If they were looking at quarterback, though, Shireen, you don't make it known what you're doing with Daniel Jones. You keep your mouth shut about that, and that is a better way to keep dirt on the tracks that could lead to a possibility of a drafting of a quarterback by the New York Giants. So I think they want people to think they're looking at quarterback, but I think at a deeper level they're not, or they wouldn't have said or leaked what they leaked today. Yeah, and I agree with you, Mike. I, I don't think they'll go quarterback. I think they'll stick with Daniel Jones another year. And, and it, to me, it's almost like a win-win, right? Because if he's terrible, you're not going to have a very good record. You're going to be drafting in the top ten again, and it's a better quarterback draft, and you'll have a chance to replace him. And if he's really good, you franchise tag him, which is about $10 million more than they would have paid for the fifth-year option, and you're willing to give him that long-term deal. If he's that great this year, you go to the playoffs, you win the division, all those things, you're like, hey, we hit on Daniel Jones. Hey, we don't mind paying him the money because we know he's absolutely worth it. And they keep saying, yeah, we think we have our franchise quarterback, but the fact is they don't know that. He hasn't proved that to anybody yet. So he'll have this last year to try to prove that to the Giants. If he does, he's either going to get the franchise tag or a big deal from the Giants. And if he does it, he'll be somewhere else next year, and the Giants will be on the look for another quarterback. Maybe they go after Tom Brady after this year, Mike. Here's the bet. That would be something. That would be something. A team that beat him twice in the Super Bowl becomes Tom Brady's destination <laughs> for 2023 with Brian Dayball there and whatever kind of talent they're trying to amass. Joe Shane, the GM of the Giants, told us at the scouting combine that they weren't in a rush to make the decision because they want to get to know the guy. I mean, I I feel like the decision to not pick up the option is kind of a referendum that they haven't seen enough yet to make them think yeah. he's the answer beyond this year, unless Shane was just saying what he had to say to get through the interview back on March 2nd, which is entirely possible. The other side of it, too, Shereen, that I wonder – if the fifth-year option was the way it was pre-2020, where it was guaranteed for injury right, only exactly. until the first day of the league year where the fifth-year kicks in and it becomes fully guaranteed. If you remember, the Jaguars picked up the fifth-year option on Blake Bortles, and right before the moment where it was to become fully guaranteed, they worked out a short-term Band-Aid bridge contract that, that allowed them to keep him, gave him some security, but, you know, they also could have ripped up the deal and made him a free agent. So that was part of their leverage in getting them in a point where they would do the deal he was happy with. If it was still injury only, I suspect no that the question. Giants would have taken the risk because you can still potentially get out from under it. Now you can't. And we saw the Bears do it with Mitchell Trubisky back in 20, what is it, 17, 18, 19, for 22. 21 season 2020 i'm getting my years mixed up he was drafted in 17 so it would have been early 2020 where they decided not yeah. to pick up the option and you know you hate to bet against your guys that's what is awkward about this you're betting against your player you're betting that he's not going to be good enough to justify the investment that you're making so the giants are basically saying are we comfortable 
with the idea that Daniel Jones is going to play well enough this year that we'd be happy to only pay him $22 million next year. And as quarterbacks go, it's not like $22 million is all that much money. They're betting that they're not going to want him at 22. They're betting that he's going to fail and that they're going to say, thank God we didn't pick up that option. And they're willing to take the risk that he plays so well that they'd have to franchise tag him at $34 million. That's a big spread. But they're more comfortable yeah. saying, we don't think he's going to play well enough this year that we'd want to give him $22 million. And I don't know well, that that sets the right tone. I really don't. We'll see. Maybe that's a way to draw the best performance out of him. But that's how you look at this. And they, may, they very well may have a new quarterback after the season. Tyrod Taylor may end up beating him out at yeah. some point during the season. If they just decide he's not the guy, get him out of here. Let's see what Tyrod Taylor can do as we start making decisions about next year. Well, you look at what Carolina did last year, traded for Sam Darnold. They picked up the option, and, and maybe you say, well, they really didn't have a choice because they made this trade for Sam Darnold, but I know they're regretting it now, $18 million, uh, under the cap for this season after, after trading for him, and they would love probably to be rid of, the, of that salary. And you look at what the Browns did with Baker Mayfield, $18 million now sitting there that they're trying to trade, give away, frankly, to somebody else. They're trying to give away Baker Mayfield to somebody else. So, yeah, I, I absolutely think the Giants are saying, we haven't seen enough to, to think that you're our franchise guy. You've missed 11 games in your career, 21 touchdown passes combined over the last two years. That rookie year is, still stands out as his best year when he threw 24 touchdowns. Hasn't been able to stay on the field. Hasn't been productive enough when he's been on the field. So that's absolutely what they're betting, Mike. And again, if he plays great, they're going to be they're going to be thrilled to pick up the franchise tag or give him a long term deal, however that works out. But they'll be really happy if he's the guy. But he's he, right now. I don't it doesn't think they'll look be like happy. He's the guy. I don't think they'll be happy. I think they'll be kicking themselves for not getting him at $22 million <laughs> for guessing wrong. I mean, they're making an educated guess. I mean, they are betting against the shooter. This is like yeah, rolling up to the are. craps table in Vegas and betting against the shooter, which is typically a no-no. They are betting that he is going to not be good enough. And again, $22 million is not that much money for a starting quarterback in the NFL. We've been fretting about this 18.8 for Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield because the teams want to get rid of them, and it's an anchor around their neck. It's really not that much money. It's less than 10% of the salary cap. It's not that much, but the Giants are deciding we probably wouldn't want this guy. And try to reconcile that with what John Mara said a month and a day ago at the league meetings. Yeah. People are realizing that quarterback is by far the most important position in sports, and you either have one or you don't. We think we have one. That's what he said 31 days ago, 32 days ago to be exact. And now they get rid of him? And they get, I would not get rid of him, but they're, I mean, if you think you have one, see, this is just another example that everything that they say, they being everyone, it's, Everybody. it's yeah. quite likely tinged with BS, that they really aren't telling you what they believe. It's actions, not words, that tell us what teams really think. They can talk all they want, but when it's time to pull the trigger, on that $22 million, fully guaranteed for 2023, when they don't do it, that tells us what they really think of Daniel Jones. And they think he's not going to be good enough to make them believe they made a good decision to guarantee him $22 million for 2023. Well, and here's the other thing, Mike. They didn't roll out of bed this morning and go, you know what, we're not picking up Daniel Jones fifth year option yeah I think that's a, a great decision I mean this decision was made at some point before today so they knew the way they were leaning even when they're giving those quotes to the media of we think we have our franchise quarterback so you are right they are betting that Daniel Jones is not the guy and you know the other thing too and this this has to go into the broader assessment of why we let this out when we do. And I know there will be other opportunities to meet with the media after Tuesday when the deadline otherwise would have applied to exercising the fifth-year option. They'll do press conferences. These press conferences, when they're rolling out their first-round picks, what do you think the first question is going to be? Or one of the first questions, why didn't you pick no up question. the option on Daniel Jones? Well, they say, well, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about – 
these guys that we hope play well enough the next three years so we'll be picking up their option before the 2025 draft begins. It's just it's it's an awkward spot to be in, and they're big boys. They understand what they're getting themselves into and how this all plays out. I just I assume there's a strategy for everything that happens in the NFL, and I'd love to know what the real strategy was in making this known today. I'd have waited until after the draft. Then you can get through this weekend. You can celebrate your new picks. You don't have to worry about that. Um, and if they hadn't picked up or not picked up the option today, then the first question tonight at the press conference would have been, hey, are you picking up the Daniel Jones option? And they would have had to say, well, we still got time to decide that, although they really don't have much at that point. There's a point where we still have time becomes moot because you eventually do run out of time. Before we run out of time in this segment, there was a report from Rich Samini of ESPN.com who covers the Jets that a trade of Debo Samuel, the 49ers receiver, to New York isn't dead yet. The Jets have the fourth overall pick and the 10th pick. The 10th pick is the one that most people have been eyeballing as the potential anchor for a trade package for Debo Samuel. And, Shereen, I continue to believe, and Samini kind of hints at this, that the 49ers want to see how the first nine picks go. You don't want anyone out there to know that you're going to slide into the 10th spot until the 10th spot is on the clock because you are asking to be leapfrogged. If you say to the world, at any point before pick nine is used, here we are at pick 10. Because the moment they pop in there, somebody may be ready to jump up the spot nine with the Seahawks who love to trade down. Somebody may be ready to jump up, and I'm sure the Seahawks would love to screw the 49ers if they can out of getting whoever it is they have in mind at number 10. So you wait until the last possible minute to do this trade. And even though this sounds like Captain Obvious type stuff, what's happening now is exactly what would happen if nothing's going on or if something's going on. Because if you're the 49ers and something is happening, you want it to be completely quiet at this juncture. Oh, no question, Mike. And, you know, there's a lot of groundwork that has to be laid when you make a trade, especially a trade this big. But the Jets make the most sense because of their relationship with Debo Samuel. All those coaches, four coaches, I think maybe five coaches, on their staff were there with Debo Samuel in his first two years. Of course, Robert Sala was the defensive coordinator, but Mike LaFleur was there, the, now the offensive coordinator. They know this guy. They know this player. So they are well-situated to make this deal. They know him well. They have $17 million in cap space. To me, if it's going to get made, it's going to get made right there, either right when they're on the clock or right after whoever is going to end up picking ninth makes that choice that we're going to hear about this. But, Mike... Let's say a trade doesn't happen at 10, right? No, nobody trades for Debo Samuel. At that point, is a trade totally dead in your mind for Debo Samuel? Does he have to go back to the 49ers at that point? No, no. And, and I think the 49ers may hope at some level to get through the draft and see if they can rebuild the bridge with Debo Samuel. Until we know why he doesn't want to be on the 49ers, it's impossible to discern whether or not they can repair this. Some things can be repaired. Some things, like a desire to not live and work in California, can't be repaired by the 49ers. So I think that they would very much like to kick this can a little while and see if the passage of time, if the closing of the window on a trade before the draft or during the draft causes Debo Samuel to change his mind. The problem they get into is the return they get for Debo Samuel then becomes 2023 draft picks or current players. Um, And they may be fine with that. If they're going to trade the guy, then they, they, they may prefer to have picks next year. You know, they don't just scout one draft at a time. They're thinking two and three drafts ahead. They're always thinking of the next draft. And Do I want a first-round pick this year or would I want a first-round pick next year based upon what we know of the next class? So I don't think it closes the door on a trade. But this is obviously the most prime opportunity for a trade to happen. And remember, it was a year ago that we were anticipating the possibility of an Aaron Rodgers trade during the first round of the draft because that all hit the fan on draft day. We needed something like that to happen today. In comparison to last year, today was downright uh, dead silent quiet uh let's go ahead and take a break we'll be dead silent quiet for a couple of minutes but when we return the latest on the guy who was the number one overall pick just four years ago john dorsey's buddy boy is on his way out in cleveland who will be making the trade for baker and when will baker mayfield land with a new franchise we'll discuss that next here on this draft day edition of the ftpm 
There it is, the recreation of the Brett Favre <laughs> draft night phone call from four years ago. And Baker Mayfield entered the NFL with that Brett Favre swagger. He has not had yeah. the Brett Favre accomplishments. And last year was undermined by that injury he suffered in week two when he threw an interception, got pissed off, went to make a tackle, and blew out his left shoulder. Look, Shereen, I've been thinking a lot about his time with the Cleveland Browns. I mean, the Cleveland Browns have been for 20 years now, and I say all – Due respect to Miles Simmons, but he knows, he understands, he's a long-suffering Browns fan. <laughs> They've been horrible. They've been dysfunctional. And for Baker Mayfield to have two really good seasons with a team that bad, I mean, he was really good as a rookie through all of the Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley dysfunction, and then Greg Williams takes over the team. And they did enough to create real hope and expectations for 2019. The only problem is they gave the job to Freddie Kitchens, which was a mistake, and Baker regressed. But then here comes Kevin Stefanski in 2020 and has a really good season. They get to the final eight. They give the Chiefs a run for their money. And the bar goes up for 2021. And it was that injury in week two. Because week one, they gave the Chiefs a run for their money again. Yeah. They had that rematch right out of the gates at Arrowhead Stadium. And that loss to the – that win, they, they beat the Texans. But it felt like a loss because they lost the ability of Baker Mayfield to play at the highest possible level. And so I still think he can play. I think he can. I'm rooting for Baker Mayfield. Yep. To land in a spot where he's going to be coached the right way, where he's going to be motivated and focused and driven to become the guy that Cleveland didn't give him a chance to be. Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer reported today that a handful of teams have expressed interest in Baker Mayfield. The only one that's been named is the Panthers. I'm always a little skeptical. I'm not – this isn't anything against Mary Kay Cabot. But if somebody is telling her, presumably from the Browns, there's a handful of teams interested, but they're not saying who, I – is it really a handful or, or or is it a hand with one finger on it? And that one finger is the Carolina Panthers. Now, the interest could emerge once teams don't get in the draft, whoever they may be hoping to get at quarterback. But, you know, frankly, I with, with all these guys in the draft, you're rolling the dice. I know you control a first-rounder for up to five years, but you may yeah. not want to control him for more than one year if he stinks. You at least know Baker Mayfield can play. You at least know the guy has checked the box and he's out in Cleveland, not because he wasn't good enough to be in the NFL. He just wasn't good enough for the Browns. So as, as I get closer to the draft and that uncertainty of taking that lottery ticket and scratching it off and seeing if it's boom or bust, I know that Baker Mayfield could be a boom for me. And it may just be a one-year experiment. But for some of these teams out there, the Falcons, the Panthers, any of the teams that were in the Deshaun Watson pursuit, the Seahawks, who right now have Drew Locke and Geno Smith and Jacob Eason as their options. Why wouldn't you roll the dice on Baker Mayfield? It's only $18.8 million. We act like that's a lot of money, and it is in the abstract. But within the confines of an NFL budget and a salary cap that's at 208 right now and going up every year, and it's going to go up 10% a year most likely indefinitely into the future, 18.8 isn't all that much for a starting quarterback. Well, and if you get the Browns to pick up part of that, it's even less, Mike. But I'm with you. I think he's the best quarterback in this draft. And he's certainly going to be the best quarterback in this draft going into 2022. If you're Matt Rule and you need to win right now, I want Baker Mayfield to be my quarterback. I have a better chance of having a winning record with Baker Mayfield as my quarterback than Kenny Pickett or anybody else that I can get with that sixth pick. So, to me, he's the guy to watch in this draft. And the first round, it's going to be interesting to see who gets quarterbacks because you start ruling out people, and it could quickly be down to one or two teams that the Browns are trying to give him away to. And that's what it's going to be. They're going to give away Baker Mayfield. And if I'm one of those teams, I want to be given Baker Mayfield. And, and let me use that first-round pick and second-round pick and third-round pick. Let me use those picks on other players that I can build around Baker Mayfield. And they can win with him. And if they do that, a team like Carolina could win this year. But they're going to end up with a rookie quarterback, and then Baker is going to end up somewhere else where – Possibly he steps in as the backup going in there, and maybe it's a Ryan Tannehill situation. But let's just say the Panthers and the Falcons and the Seahawks come out of this draft with quarterbacks. Doesn't that limit where Baker Mayfield goes? Absolutely, but then the thinking is whoever is left, the cheese that's standing alone becomes interested in Baker Mayfield to the point where 
ideally a deal gets worked out between the Browns and that team. And then you've got the Jimmy Garoppolo factor in all of this as well. If I'm the one team that is clearly looking for a quarterback, I try to set up something between the 49ers and the Browns where I can leverage one against the other and get the best possible deal for the quarterback that I end up with. The difference, though, is Garoppolo's salary is not fully guaranteed at $25 million. He's got a partial injury guarantee that goes away once his shoulder is fully healed and he's cleared to play. But both the Browns and the 49ers are apoplectic at the idea that the guy they don't want isn't wanted by someone else. And that, to me, is just hilarious. I was on 95.7 The Game in San Francisco earlier today, and we were talking about that. Uh It's like – and, and this is the example I used earlier this week on PFT Live. I have a house with a leaky roof, and there's always something wrong with it, and I'm buying a new house. And I can't move into it until somebody buys this house. Why did anybody want to buy this house that has the leaky roof and always has something wrong with it? Why didn't somebody want to buy that? Houses like this aren't easy to find. I can't wait to move out of it, but houses like this aren't easy to find. And, and they're surprised. They're surprised that yeah. teams aren't falling all over themselves to trade for the guy that they're falling all over themselves to get rid of. Well, and they both make sense. I mean, nobody's trading for Jimmy Garoppolo when he had surgery on his throwing sur- shoulder and is not going to be able to throw again until sometime in the summer. John Lynch said late June would be the earliest he could start throwing again. You're not going to trade for him because of that, Mike. And then Baker Mayfield, nobody's trading for him because they don't want to give up anything big. They know the Browns have to move on from him. The Browns have their quarterback into Deshaun Watson. They're going to move Baker Mayfield. They're not going to get much for him. And I'm, I'm thinking that the Browns maybe want more than, than teams are willing to give up. At some point, you just got to throw up your hands and go, hey, give us a seventh-round pick. We'll eat part of his salary, and, and let's move on with this thing because Baker Mayfield is not going to be on your roster come the start of the season, come training camp. And, Mike, you don't want Baker Mayfield going to the Steelers. I'm just telling you, Browns fans, you don't want Baker Mayfield to go I to the do. Steelers. Steelers and Lions. I do, I'm too, still holding out hope for the Browns Lions. I am trying don't. to. Lions is my compromise choice. Steelers is the best possible yeah. option. That happens if he gets cut and he makes a beeline for Pittsburgh and they pay him yep. $1.035 million. The Browns have to pay the rest and he bedevils them. Now, look, this is another reason for the Browns to try to trade him to a team where yep. they think he's going to stick around. Because it's not just 2022. You want him to find a new home. You want him to be happy. You want him to stay. And you never want him to leave via free agency, especially not next year. You want it to work out wherever he goes. And you want him to not become a free agent and go straight to Pittsburgh in 2023. But, you know, the Lions have emerged as a team that is looking at quarterback. And it's no surprise. Jared Goff was the guy that they took on to pick up an extra first-round draft pick. And they're so bad, frankly, they were able to play him for a year. They're going to get away with playing him most likely for a second year unless they would get Baker Mayfield. They have to pay him. It's part of why they bought that first-round pick, that second first-round pick. They would have gotten one and a three, the Rams would have, for Matthew Stafford. Or no, the Lions got the one and three for Matthew Stafford. The Rams gave it up, important distinction. But that extra first-round pick came to Detroit simply because they took on Jared Goff and his contract. So if they really are thinking about life without Jared Goff or life after Jared Goff, they, they, could, they could go get Baker Mayfield yeah. and let him compete with Jared Goff, have an open competition, and they'd be paying Jared Goff a lot of money to sit on the bench, but, but so be it. And then maybe Jared Goff becomes the guy that they just kind of hang on to. And if there is that catastrophic knee injury that the 49ers are waiting for to create a market for Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe it creates a market for Jared Goff. So there's a lot of ways it can go. But I think Baker Mayfield will be perfect with the Lions. I don't know if I'd want to go to the Seahawks if I were him because it feels like they can't decide whether or not they're in a rebuild. The Panthers, of the, op- of the options out there, I think the Panthers I could talk myself into the most because I've got Christian McCaffrey, I've got some good receivers, and the defense is pretty good, and the expectations are fairly low. I kind of like that. But uh, I have a feeling he's going to have a what home. What about the Giants? Well, the $22 million they were going to give to Daniel Jones, now they just give it to Baker Mayfield this year. That, that, that yeah. would intrigue me more if they hadn't gotten Tyrod Taylor. But yeah, what are you going to do with Tyrod Taylor and point. Daniel Jones? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good hey, point. Hey, I don't – look, we got to be ready for anything. Could – could the Browns 
trade him to the Giants for Daniel Jones. Oh. I mean, you need some you need somebody to play yeah. the first six weeks of the season, yeah. you assume. And they've got Jacoby Brissett, yeah. but I, I just I wonder we talked about Jones last segment. We we're trying to figure out why they made it known now that they didn't pick up the fifth year option. Is there an argument to be made that the Giants are trying to get somebody to call them and make them an offer for Daniel Jones? Not that they're looking to draft maybe. a quarterback, but maybe they see this as a way. Maybe now it's the 49ers, Browns, and Giants whose attitude is, uh, we don't want this guy, but maybe somebody else would really like to have him. And uh, the only difference is you don't – if you were going to trade him, that's the problem. He doesn't come with the fifth-year option. If he comes with a fifth-year option, you at least yeah. know you're getting two years out of him, but maybe nobody would want two years out of him at this point. Anyway, I'm just spitballing. We need to move along. we got other things to talk about that are more likely to occur during the draft, and we're going to start with a draft-inspired fill-in-the-blank. We'll do that next on this Draft Day edition of PFTPM. With the seventh pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Buffalo Bills select... Josh Allen, quarterback, Wyoming. Unbelievable. We're fing cursed. Nice. You guys are total idiots. Wrong, Josh? Okay. <laughs> f you guys. F you fing f so fing much. That's a good tweet, Michael. Shitheg? Shed? Shedig. I am so sorry, a Browns fan. Bean needs to be fired. Why? What the hell? I have no words. I'm beyond disappointed. That was quite a few words, though, if you had no words. There's a certain irony to Josh Allen reading four-year-old tweets four years after he was drafted because if I recall correctly, there was an issue with some old Josh Allen tweets that came up right after he was drafted that's four years true. ago, but that's not the point of what they did. Look, you're always going to find that stuff. It's Twitter. It's not a surprise, and there's going to be negative reaction to everyone who is drafted tonight. You're not going to see it on TV. Maybe that's what balances out. Maybe that's the whole idea. All of the coverage you're going to see on TV tonight is how awesome every pick is and how great every player is, and oh, that's yeah. just to balance out social media because 90% of what you're going to see there is, holy crap, why did we do that? Why did we do this? I don't like this. I don't like that. Everybody's an expert. Let's just let it play out. We don't know who's going to work out. We don't know who's not going to work out, and sometimes it takes a year or two. In Josh Allen's case, it wasn't until year, until year three that he really took off. So it's a process, and we'll see who turns out well and who doesn't. But we are – safe in our knowledge that some will be good and some will be bad fill in the blank time the first quarterback selected in the 2022 draft will be who shireen well i think we have two choices right mike and i'm gonna go with kenny pickett i just have a feeling he's gonna be the first guy i think that first quarterback is not gonna go before number six that's gonna be the first quarterback we're gonna see drafted perhaps at six and if it doesn't go at six then it's probably eight but somewhere in that top 10 I think we're gonna have a quarterback drafted and I think it's gonna be Kenny Pickett I think that uh it's gonna be Malik Willis and I'm just influenced by the betting odds here that we've seen in the run-up to the draft it's every spot Malik Willis had shorter odds than Kenny Pickett to be picked yeah. except at number six to the Panthers I have a feeling the Panthers aren't gonna go quarterback but who the hell knows at this point they would have every reason Baker, to if they did Baker, Baker. I I, I think it's going to be Malik Willis, and I think the still I my 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 trade that I am willing to throw a dart on is Vikings at twelve down to twenty with the Steelers who come up and get Malik Willis the exact same spots that flip flop last year so the Bears could move up to twelve with the Giants and get Justin Fields I think that that is the trade that I'm watching because if the Steelers really like Malik Willis, they're not going to sit at 20 and wait for him to land there. Yeah. They're going to go get him. The team I expect to be the most aggressive in round one is who Shireen. Well, the chiefs have been so silent, Mike, they're sitting there with two picks at 29 and 30, just really quiet. And to me, it's too quiet. It's kind of what we talked about. You know, when, when teams are putting out disinformation, we've heard nothing about the Chiefs. just total silence, have those two picks, 
I think they're going to go up and get who they want. I would expect it to be a receiver, but who knows if that's the case. Maybe there's another player they like in another position, but I expect them to, to come out of this first round with the receiver, and I think if they really like one of those guys, it's just what you were talking about, you go up and you get him. They have 12 total picks. That's tied with Jacksonville for the most in this draft. They have plenty of ammunition to do whatever they want. There is some potential cloak and dagger stuff that would go on between the Chiefs and the Packers because the Packers have two first-round picks. Theirs comes first at 22. The Chiefs have two first-round picks later. Both need a number one receiver. And it was two years ago that the Packers were hoping Justin Jefferson would fall to them. He didn't. Then they wanted Brandon Ayuk. The 49ers jumped them to go get him. Will they get gun-shy? Will they get antsy? Will they move before they can get jumped by the Chiefs for whatever receiver they decide they want. And remember this, too. We're in this mindset where, hey, you go draft a receiver in round one, he's going to be great. Well, for every Justin Jefferson, there's a Jalen Rieger. And Rieger was drafted before Justin Jefferson. And, you know, for every Debo Samuel, there is a Nikhil Harry. So uh, it could be that the Packers beat the Chiefs to the punch for a receiver and they get the guy who isn't very good, and the Chiefs get the superstar. The most polarizing prospect in this year's draft is who, Shireen? Well, I'm going to say Kyle Hamilton, and it actually has nothing to do with him but the position he plays. Safeties have sort of become like running backs. Teams don't want to spend high picks on those safeties. They feel like they can get them later in the draft, and and it's proved out. Over the last two years, 36th overall was the first safety taken. Uh, Javon Holland to Miami one year, and Xavier McKinney to the Giants in 2020, the last time, obviously, a first-round safety went was in 2019, Darnell Savage and Jonathan Abram. And you can argue that those guys shouldn't have been first-round picks. So Kyle Hamilton looks like a really good player. Everything you read about him, really good. But the position he plays says you wait to get him later rather than earlier, Mike. I think that uh, it's Kayvon Thibodeau. He's been all over the place. He was at one point the favorite to be the first overall pick. And then he... He slid, and now they're saying he's going to be out of the top 10, and now he's springing back in, and who the hell knows. I think the window for him is four with the Jets, nine with the Seahawks. I think we're going to see him land somewhere in there, and I think people are going to be surprised by that because they're expecting him to fall out of the top 10. Let's take a break. We're going to open a special draft day edition of the PFTPM mailbag when this Thursday edition of the program continues right after this. Sauce Gardner has the necklace that both says sauce and it has a bottle of sauce. He was asked this week what his favorite sauce is, and he said barbecue. I think it's important to be a little more specific when it comes to that. There are many, many kinds of barbecue sauce. We'll see where he ends up. There are many teams that would love to get the Cincinnati cornerback. Mailbag time. Brad, NFL, NBA. Is it better to have multiple first-round picks or one top five pick Shireen a very philosophical question on draft night I'm going with the multiple picks Mike and we have more teams with multiple picks in the first round this year than ever but we've seen enough top five picks fail to where you want to you want to roll the dice with the more possible players that you can get if you get two maybe you hit on one maybe you hit on both but We've just seen too many failures, even within the top five, that I want more picks, not necessarily that top five pick. Unless it's a blue chip, Joe Burrow, Andrew Luck, one of those types of guys, and then I guess you want the top pick. I generally believe that it's good to have more than fewer lottery tickets to scratch off. This year, though, I would want my two first-round picks in the top 20 because it was somebody recently, and I can't remember who, we've heard so many pre-draft press conference comments that basically after you get through 20 guys this year, that's where the the shelf is. So I'd want to be in the top 20 before there's a shelf to the next tier. So I don't want 31 and 32. I'll take 16 and 19 like the Saints over top five. There's a lot of pressure in the top five because the bust rate is the same. It was only in 1989 where you got Troy Aikman, Barry Sanders, Thurman Thomas, not Thurman Thomas, Derek Thomas, and Deion Sanders – and the odd man out was Tony Mandarich. That was an 80% Hall of Fame rate in the top five of the 1989 yeah. draft. It's still 50-50 that the guy's going to work out. So I'd rather have two shots. I got a chance yeah. I'm going to get at least one guy who's pretty damn good if I have two shots. 
Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. And I remember the year that the Cowboys had the two, and Bill Parcells wanted to draft uh, Marcus Spears with the first pick, and Jerry actually overruled him and said, we're taking DeMarcus Ware, who was going to be a, a Hall of Famer probably this next year, uh, and overruled him. And Parcells was so mad, he pouted the rest of the entire draft, and they ended up with Marcus Spears anyway. But they passed on, I believe, Aaron Rodgers to get Marcus Spears. All, all the people that passed on Aaron Rodgers, that came up earlier this week. We were talking about Ronnie Brown going to the Dolphins at number two and how Nick Saban had lied internally to his people about Braylon Edwards being the guy. If only Nick Saban had taken Aaron Rodgers. Although, you know what? I don't think Nick Saban and Aaron Rodgers would have coexisted for very long. Can you imagine <laughs> that? Fun. That would have been worth the price of admission just to watch the two of them interact. Yeah. Neil watches PFT. How many trades will we see tonight? And will we see players traded tonight or just pick swaps, Shireen? I, I mean, we don't know. I don't know. I expect trades, and I expect it to be more along the lines of picks traded for the opportunity to move from yeah. a lower spot to a higher spot. I, uh, Debo Samuel is the only player that I would expect to be traded during the draft tonight for one of the first-round picks. Yeah, I agree with you, Mike. I think it's going to be picks for picks. There were 25 total trades last year. I think there'll be more this year total. How many in the first round? I think we're going to see more than last. I'm going to say I'm going to give you over under a four. Dirtbag1327, will anyone throw Goodell into the Bellagio fountain or jump in when they're introduced? <laughs> I think it's far more likely someone's going to jump into the fountain. I think yeah. it would be a personal conduct policy violation to throw the commissioner into the fountain at the Bellagio, Shereen. Now, that would be fun. Let, let's see some of that. Let's see some of that kind of thing tonight, Mike. Who was the guy? Was it Danny Shelton that, like, lifted him off the ground? I think Danny Shelton lifted him off the ground. Yeah, Danny Shelton, and, yeah. and, and who was the guy that did the flying uh, uh, chest bump? Was it uh, the, Dolphins, the Dolphins guy from Clemson? Who was that? The defensive lineman. Who De plays for the Dolphins? Uh, uh, Lauren, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know yes. who I'm saying. They know. Yeah. They, they know yes. who we mean. Look it up. Look it up. He did like a flying chest bump with the commissioner, which may have been a personal conduct policy violation as well. By the way, real quickly, Venet uh, Virginia. Why is Jordan Love still on the Packers? Does he get traded tonight? We talked about this earlier in the week. He's too cheap for them. Keep him. Yeah. They need a backup to Aaron Rodgers. So it's that simple. And I think we're out of time. Are we out of time? How much time do we have? I'm not hearing the count. Oh, we have ten. Now I'm hearing the count. Just in time to say enjoy the first round of the draft. See you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. for PFT Live. Check us out all draft, night at ProFootballTalk.com. Bye. Draft. Draft.